Spoke to the amazing Simon Emmanuel last night. Very funny Welsh comedian. Uh, talked to me about his start when he was 16 years old and then taking a hiatus for eight years. Picking it up again at 24 and then he's been running with it ever since for the last 11 years. Trips to Oslo, time in Barcelona, plans for Amsterdam. So much going on with this man. Top quality bloke, really good chat. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, Simon. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, all right. Is my, my audio all right this side? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, perfect, mate. Happy days. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you for joining me tonight. That's all right, mate. No drama. I've been looking forward to it. It's, uh, you know, during these COVID times, the little things are very exciting, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, any opportunity to just have a chat and uh, and open up a little bit to be... Uh, Especially now they're talking about all these second lockdowns coming and more restrictions and all this pain in the ass. Yeah, it's bonkers, mate. I've, I've, I've only just reopened my sex shop. Like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you do online, I'd say. There'd be a massive pay for it. <laughs> I think I'd easily pay your rent in just my orders. Oh, God, mate. Well, everyone's at home as well now. There's more opportunities now, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So um, I think from my side, obviously I've um, I've not come across you at all. So you got in touch when uh, Jordan uh, came on and did her podcast a couple of weeks back, and um, yeah, I've been yeah. Forward to getting you on because obviously some of the well, most of the guests I've had on have been sort of friends of the community. So yeah, this is good. This is new. So well, I to find out. It was it was, it, it was exciting. I listened to the Jordan episode. It really made me laugh, and I I, I thought like it's, it just it just seemed really exciting. So so why not get involved? You know? No, it's great. It's perfect. It's exactly what we want. And the, um, so do you know Jordan at all? Uh, no, so I know her from um, she uh, did the the stand up uh, comedy for uh, uh, cancer charity, and yeah. my best mate, who's a comedian, Ignacio, he teaches that. So I sort of know her through that. Ah, okay. And then from yourself, then how how long have you been doing comedy now? Like, what's when did you get started? God, I, I'm in year eleven now, mate. It's been a long time. Wow. Yeah. So actually, te- technically, I, I did my first gig when I was sixteen, but I only that was only one gig, and then it uh, it went all right. But then I was scared to do it for a long time. I didn't come back until eight years after that. <laughs> oh, okay. So how did yeah. you get into that at sixteen? What happens there? I got dared to do it. I, I was doing um, I was doing performing arts, and um, someone uh, we were doing like a project where we had to do something um, in an outside venue, and um, someone dared me to do stand up comedy. And in those days, I, I, I never turned down a dare, uh, which actually led me to being kicked out of college for streaking at a major event. Uh, <laughs> that was a another story but yeah so I, I did it then um uh and but I, i'd always enjoyed sort of comedy parts um anyway i, I knew i was addicted to the laughter from from a younger age uh and yeah i did it once um and then um, i got offered uh another gig and i wasn't quite ready so i went away did a bit of traveling and came back to it okay and so you come back and you're 24 um yeah what are you doing? You know, are you having a normal day job? Is this like a part-time hobbyist or are you, I want to be a comedian, this is my life? 
Yeah, well, I, I almost certainly want to work in comedy. I don't know if it's going to be uh, live stand-up. It's always something I'd want to do, but I do I do uh, like the idea of making uh, money from, from writing, which I, I do quite a bit. Anyway, I do a bit of work for the, for the BBC uh, at the moment. Um, but uh, I'd always like to have sort of stand-up on the, on the side consistently anyway. Perfect. And so the BBC stuff, is that like BBC Wales or is that mainstream BBC that we'd know? Yeah, no, it's BBC Wales. I, I write for the online platform BBC Sesh, and I've just started writing for BBC Kickstart, um, and I've, I've penned a sitcom as well during lockdown, um, so hopefully I can get uh, that picked up, and uh, I don't know if that would be BBC Wales as well, but uh, yeah, f- fingers crossed, they, they like what I've written. Wow, perfect. That's great. Well, congratulations on all that. And so, Cheers. when you come back at 24, what's the scene? Yeah. Because whereabouts in Wales are you? I'm in Swansea. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're sort of the epicenter in the middle there and capital yeah. of your, um, you know, obviously I spoke to Jordan. She said around Cardiff and Swansea, yeah, there's a great scene. And then that's kind of, yeah. there's not much else going on mm. in Wales. Yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, you will get the rare gig in, in little towns and they do tend to sell out, but they just don't last very long because normally someone gets glassed. That's what happens there. <laughs> but the, the scene when, when, when I started in Swansea was, was a strange one because there was, um, it was a brand new open mic uh, night that had opened, uh, but it had been opened by... Uh, a Welsh comedian who was famous for bringing a song out called Oi Mush. Um, and uh, he'd had a bit of success from that, but he was an old school working clubs comedian that sort of uh, just used borrowed material. Yeah. So it was a really weird mix because he was hosting the night and he was making the money from it. But then you had all these uh, genuinely sort of talented new comedians coming through who could write the joke. And we suspect that he was... Uh, doing it to pinch the material so he could use in his working men's clubs but we never proved it but it was uh yeah it was, it was a bit it was crazy because we had um we had to write a new five to ten minutes every every week because the club ran every tuesday and it had the same audience it was a good sort of uh a, a good start uh in in being uh right under pressure yeah that is um yeah that that is difficult i was uh i was i was talking last night to uh to another comedian, we were saying about how some comics write and they write furiously and they write loads and loads and will always try new stuff. And some yeah. comics will, and, and you see them, you know, sort of going around now, they'll have their five or 10 minutes and that that's, that's it. And they just run it and they perfect it and they, they sort of do it over and over and over and over again. Um, yeah. So from your side of things, have you, is that how you prefer to prefer to always be writing, always trying to do new stuff? Well, I, I, I'm in the middle, really, bit because um, I've got my my 20 uh, club set that I know works and I'm comfortable with, and I am a prolific writer, and I'll always say, oh, I'll, I'll try a, a bit of new material tonight, but I always bottle it because I know <laughs> that I've got my bankers. So, uh, yeah, I, I do need to uh, stick to my new material more and give it an outing. Um, but it is, we, we we're lucky in words. We've got some really nice um, new material nights running, um, like there's, there's a place in Swansea called Raphael's Comedy, and I like it's the best new material like I've, I've been to. Um, so I have sort of got that outlet to try new stuff out as well. Yeah. Um, so the guy I was chatting to, or Nathan Eagle, I was chatting to him last night. He's sort of 
at that semi-pro level getting paid for his gigs and if you're yeah. about how you know the pressure's on when you are paid to do a gig um yeah the pressure's on you obviously have to deliver the goods and you don't want to let the promoters down things like that so you do your 10 your 20 and he was saying he got quite jaded with it because he was just sort of thinking oh fucking hell i've got this kung fu fighting bit up again and yeah yeah he needed the energy he needed the uh you know, that sort of excitement of doing something new to be able to kick yeah. on. He ended up sort of faking it a little bit, he was saying. But it's, it's so true that, mate, the, the the pressure that comes from getting paid because you want to do the best job. It's like it's like if you just, if you made someone a sandwich in your house and the, there's a bit of mould on the bread when you give it to them, right? If that's a mate, you'll have a laugh about it. You're like, oh, God, what am I like? You know, I'll do it. But <laughs> if you're working in Subway and that happens, you're in trouble and you? you're getting sued. So it's, it's the same, same concept, mate. Yeah. No, that's, that's it. It's a very good analogy. I like it. <laughs> and the um and and like you hear, I'm sort of listening and, and read a lot of autobiographies and watch and listen to a lot of podcasts for uh, comedians. And you hear them sort of talking about, especially we were talking about the difference between UK comedians and American comedians. And in the UK, there doesn't seem to be the platform for doing a lot of new material and doing it a lot. Like in America, yeah. you seem to be able to do two or three shows in a night, you know, four or five over a weekend. And yeah. Stop from club to club. But we, we don't have that here. No, the, the American scene is amazing. It's so, so, so strong. I, I was saying to someone just yesterday that um, I'd like to go to New York sort of on a half holiday, half gigging experience just to get on the clubs over there. Because like you said, you can just hop from club to club all night. Yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah, if you oh, that'd be out, great. Let's all let's let's a few of us do it. I'll be up for that. Oh, let's do it. Let's get how much you reckon a minibus would cost from from from, from the UK? Yeah. <laughs> we'll just do a big. We'll, we'll like COVID test everybody, and once you're on the bus, you can't leave. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give Brenda a call from Carmarthen. She's got a van. We'll just all chip in. We'll go for it. Why not? Perfect. It already sounds <laughs> more exciting than anything else. Got planned for lockdown. <laughs> let's go tomorrow let's do it yeah let's just get out if we lock down in America it can't be any worse it'll be fine won't it <laughs> but yeah I definitely think um, so one of the, the things that we have with our new material so I run a, a new material night and what some promoters do is is they will say listen I, I won't book the same people you know within the three month period or six month period you know, yeah. people coming through, which which is good. They always want new. Yeah. But I've kind of gone the other way to say to anybody that comes, listen, you can come again. Whenever there's a free slot, you come again. All you got to do is just new material. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it, mate. Because it, 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 it gives people, because sometimes if you haven't got that push to write, you won't do it. But if you give someone a date and you say, look, you know, come back on this date, that'll be your new material. They're going to make sure it's ready by that date. Yeah. Yeah. And I absolutely think... Um, so again, I was chatting to the guy last night. I think there's a real importance to bombing and not having that Absolutely. polite laughter making you think that what you've done is quite good. I think there's a real, again, you've got to try and be able to take it sort of in yeah. your ego. Yeah. But there's a real importance to bombing and a real importance for you to come off the stage and think, nah, that wasn't very good. I need to do better. Well, I, I completely agree, mate. And what, what it also does, it, it, it sort of prepares you for 
situations uh, when you're on stage doing your strongest stuff because now and again you'll get that one joke that works everywhere else and it doesn't work in one club for whatever reason and if you're used to bombing then you panic less when that happens yeah. and, and you'll you, 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 you deal with it better maybe you can make a, a joke about the joke not working or reference it but yeah, I think bombing's very important because it, it does, and, and like you said, it teaches you a valuable lesson. If your if your material's rubbish, you need to know it's rubbish, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my one of my close friends on the circuit down here, Ben, ben McLaughlin, he is he's he's the best I've ever seen at being able to get a laugh out of bombing, and yeah. being so quick with the whole oh fucking hell that didn't work or or whatever it was, just his little mannerisms, his little things, and I sort of studied that as much as possible because there's yeah. nothing worse. I remember, you know, doing a couple of gigs, and I've only been going since October myself, but I've tried yeah. to gig like three or four times a week wherever I could before, obviously, the shit hit the fan. And yeah. and I remember my first, you know, these jokes were landing, and then the first time I sort of told one, it didn't land, and I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, the panic. Yeah. yeah. It is the worst feeling, but like now when you do it, you just move on to your next bit. Um, do, do you know what? Do you know what it feels like? I've I've always said uh, if I was to compare it to a feeling, it's the it's the feeling of rejection. Uh, you know, you know, if you've been in a situation where you've uh, you've gone in to sort of give someone a kiss and they pulled away, it's that <laughs> feeling. Man. It's rejection. It's complete. Just like it's, your heart is ripped out in a second. Yeah, and you get that you get that weird cold sensation, or what I do on my face. And you just like, yeah. oh, oh no. Oh, what I get, for some reason, I my, my mouth just goes instantly dry. I feel, I feel, I feel like I've had a three-course meal of sawdust. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is the worst feeling. And again, you know, I haven't gotten to the stage yet where I've been paid to go up and do a gig. But I can't imagine, you know, having that, thinking this is my absolute strongest material and it just being like met with, silence yeah well do you know what but sometimes as well I, I think it's really important for people to know that it doesn't matter what stage you're at with comedy sometimes you will just bomb and there's nothing you can do about it and it, it could be just down to you've walked on stage and they don't like the way you look or you said something too early they don't like that and they switch off and it just it you know it it, it still happens to comedians that have been going 25 years it's just an, it's just a part of comedy you know mm. yeah no, absolutely. I think if someone if someone tells you they don't that they've never died on stage, I I think they're lying. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they haven't been doing it long enough to have failed yet. But um, yeah, I definitely yeah. I I, and I quite like the um. I do quite like that that nerve that you get when you sort of tell a joke and it's a first time, and you know you kind of test it out and your mates and that seems to go right. But when you do it on stage, you know this is brand new. And you do it, yeah. and then you land it, and then that's the punchline, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, no, they got a laugh," or "Oh shit, that was terrible." There is yeah, that excitement to it. The 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 feeling of, of it going right is the reason why I can't quit stand up comedy. You know, there's, yeah. there's times in my life where I, where I think I'm not enjoying this much, but then as soon as I get that that laugh, it's like a fix. I'm like a heroin junkie, man. I need it. You know, you're gonna you're gonna see me at one point in the back alleys buying laughter off people. <laughs> Yeah. It's just there. So I, I, got, I got heckled positively once. Um, I used to run a gig in um, in Oslo, in Norway, and um, the Scan Scandinavian people are the politest people in the world. And um, I was halfway through my set, 
and uh, someone just shouted from the back, you're doing very well. I thought that was lovely. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, just beautiful people. The, um, I did a gig the other night and the, there was like a pro headliner and there was a guy in the crowd who was just getting more and more pissed. He was joining and everything and the, the sort of pro headliner had gone up. He'd been listening to obviously all night and uh, yeah. as soon as this guy sort of poked his head up, he was like, you can shut the fuck up, you fat cunt. Like, straight away. And we were all like, Jesus. <laughs> and then he carried on, and the guy kind of chipped in a little bit, and he had a bit of banter with him. When he come off, he'd done his 20 minutes. I was chatting yeah. to him at the back. I was having a pint. And I said to him, uh, you know, do you get many, even at your level, do you still get sort of heckled in that? And he said, yeah. He said, the trouble with that guy, he said he was just nice and just genuinely wanting to have a chat. So I didn't want yeah. to go too hard on him. And I was like, you called him a fucking fat cunt straight away. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's, like... <laughs> it's, it is, it's a mad thing, mate. There are, like, the two types of hecklers. There's obviously the ones that want to be disruptive. And then the one like that guy that genuinely just wants to get involved. And they, they, maybe they think it's a bit of a double act. And they genuinely think they're helping. Where, in, you know, in, in reality, a heckle's never helping anyone. No. No, on the first gig we had back, uh, there was a, uh, a gig in Pompey, and up in, it was a nice little venue up in the, in the loft of a pub. And the first act got up there. He said, "Hello, I'm Simon." And this woman said, "Hello, Simon." Like straight out of the crowd, he's like, "Hello, uh, I'll start again." So, "Hello, I'm Simon." She went, "I'm I'm Julia." He's like, "Right, hi, <laughs> <Are you> Julia." <laughs> And he said, right, I'm Simon, and I'm from Bognor Regis. She went, I'm from round here. <laughs> he was like, oh, my God. It <laughs> <laughs> ruined it. But she was like some 50-year-old woman who just had a couple of glasses of wine. It was the nicest heckle, but Jesus. She That's amazing. She just assumed it was a two-way conversation. She was just having a chat with him, oblivious. I'd, lo- I'd love to see her at home watching TV. I bet, I bet, I bet she's getting involved in films, isn't she? <laughs> That's brilliant, yeah. Like, oh, never buying a house round Albert Square. That seems like so much happens around there. Yeah, yeah. Do you know my my one of my first ever heckles was from my own grandmother. Um, <laughs> it was genuinely she 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 still comes to watch me do comedy now. But um, my first uh, gig, I, I had a joke about um, going round to see my gran, and I was on stage and I said uh, went round to see my uh, went round to see my gran uh, today. And she just shouted from the background, that's a lie. I haven't seen him for a week. It just ruined me. <laughs> she didn't know where to go. Like <laughs> That's so good. That's been one of the best things about coming back from uh, from the sort of lockdown when people have been like, so last week I went and they're like, no, you didn't. And people yeah, like, oh, yeah. Uh, all, all comedians have been exposed now, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like, oh, you liar. You didn't get on <clears throat> You haven't just flown back from Africa. It it, uh, it it makes me laugh that um, when people will uh, assume that you're telling the the, the truth um, <laughs> yeah. in, in your set because I, I got I got um I got a joke about uh, um the, the basic joke was um, about uh, taking LSD and playing the game uh, Mouse Trap um, and I said you know that when the cage came down it caught the mouse and I woke up in the morning my mum was stuck under a washing basket so that was one of the jokes. And then I've got another one line where I say, I believe in karma, uh, treat people as you wish to be treated is my philosophy, which is why I've started sucking people off in public. <laughs> and, what, and what happened was after a gig, this bloke came up to me and he said, he goes, I didn't, didn't know you were in, in, into men. And I said, I'm not. I said, I'm heterosexual. 
And uh, he goes, well, what was that line about then, sucking men off in public? And I said, why? I said, what? So you you think my mum was also under a washing basket? What's going on in his mind? Like? That's brilliant. It's crazy. Like, they just, just assume we're not news readers. It's insane. Like, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I... Um, so mine is is sort of my style is more of a sort of storytelling which again I was talked to the guys that I've been speaking to and all your comedy is based on some kind of you know truth or thought that you've had of you embellish and you, you yeah. know, make it funnier or you add little bits to it but um, yeah but yeah it's funny when people come up and go I can't believe you've done that because some of my like I'm quite crude and, and sort of sexualized in what I say and people are like Really, you've let a woman put that inside you? I'm like, no. no. Why would I let a woman put a fan in me? Like... <laughs> yeah, but do you, I, I, do you reckon these are the same people that watch Spider Man and then just lie on the floor and just shout, "Go on, bite me! Someone bite me!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely like it's been all these years. Not one superhero has come out of Chernobyl. I don't get it. <laughs> I, I had a thought once, mate. Right? Do you know, like about, about Spider Man. I had a thought once, what would happen? Because Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider, right? Yeah. Made him into Spider-Man. What do you reckon would happen now if he got bit by a radioactive man? Would he lose his powers and just be a normal man? Or would or do you think he'd become like Spider-Man man and grow another willy? That's a great shout. Yeah, I've, I've thought about that for years. Yeah. All right. I've always wondered if, uh, if his sort of semen shot out in web form as well. That's sort of... <laughs> That would be fantastic. <laughs> just like just clogging up all his like like MJ, just getting all like I have to keep pulling this shit at me. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that you slipped in there that I've written down was uh you used to run a gig in Oslo. So you used to live in Norway. Yeah, yeah, I lived I lived there for a year in two thousand and twelve. So how does that come about? That's an interesting little detour in life. Well, it, it was a it was a bit bonkers. So I had um, I had a friend that was living there already. Uh, he's a football coach over there. Um, okay. So I I felt like a bit of a change. So I was ch- ch- chatting to him, and he said um, he said, "Well, he goes the second language out here is English." He said, "Everyone speaks it. You could easily put a comedy night on here." So I said, "Yeah, let's do it." So I moved over, and by chance, uh, on the day he was late coming to meet me. So I went into this uh, English pub run by the craziest man I've ever met in my life, a guy called Troy from Nottingham. Um, and um, he's like, he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I just said, uh, I, I said, I think they're setting a comedy club up. And he goes, oh, he goes, come downstairs. And he takes me downstairs and there's an empty room. And he goes, I'm a carpenter. He goes, I'll build the club. And he goes, what are you doing for work? And I said, I said, I don't know yet. He goes, I need a bar manager. He goes, can you start tomorrow? So by the time my mate had come to, to meet me, I had a comedy club and a job. It was just meant to be. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so, so we, we were, um, there was a, another comedian who came to uh, run it with me after a while, a guy called Paul B. Edwards, who runs the Last Minute Comedy Club. He also runs the PBH Fringe. Um, so we were basically booking uh English uh, speaking acts over um, to Oslo. Um, we did two nights on a Saturday, and we were also um, playing uh, Gothenburg in Sweden on the Friday nights. We we ended up having two venues out there. It was just a brilliant little run. That is that's amazing. I love. It. Oh, it was great fun. It was it was such a good year. Like it was it, the club still runs. The club I, I don't. Uh, 
Paul, Paul B. Edwards books it now, uh, but I sort of go over um, where, when, when I fancy it. And uh, yeah, he's still running it and it's, it's getting big numbers. So it's a success over there. That is brilliant. I love that. The the most amazing thing was we we actually got away with the name the Oslo Comedy Club. We couldn't believe that nobody had it. So <laughs> that, 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 it's ridiculous. Like, so if anyone searches Comedy Oslo, that's the first thing that comes up. Well, that is a uh, that's another little thing we'll have a chat afterwards about getting a few of us to go. We'll do a little, we'll like uh, sort of uh, film a little trip over and do a little road trip or uh, a flight over there. And I'll be uh, amazing. We'll just just we'll just take the we'll just take the same van, mate. We can do it all in one. We we'll go to uh, New York first, and then uh, and then we'll just uh, drive straight. I'm pretty sure we're straight on the motorway to Norway. Then that's pretty easy. Yeah, we'll just do a world tour. Yeah, I think it's probably. I think from I think New York to North, to Oslo is about forty minutes drive. I'm not. I, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. It depends on the traffic. Well. Yeah, but of course, mate. Yeah, yeah. There is road works at the moment, so probably fifty five minutes. Yeah, I mean, if we left on a Friday, we could be back home for sort of maybe Saturday evening, Sunday morning, easy. Yeah, mate. It, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 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 almost certain. Yeah. <laughs> and then you nope. obviously like your uh, your grand comes to watch you. So is your is your grand either quite open minded about your sucking people off in public, or is your general style sort of quite? Sort of friendly, family friendly, or could be family friendly. Uh, so um, I have done family friendly gigs. I've gigged for children, um, and I, I've sort of hosted the the children's comedy stage, a Neef Comedy Festival. So I can do family friendly stuff. But my gran has seen me do my weekend uh, club set, which is, as you can imagine, designed for stags and hen parties. Uh, so it is is a bit filthy. But she's, I mean, she's ninety two, mate. She's seen it all. She's heard it all. She's. Uh, she she doesn't uh, she doesn't get offended. She she absolutely loves it. She's got a good sense of humour. Ah, oh, class. I've I've got the image of the uh, the neighbour from Gavin and Stacey, the old neighbour. Oh, mate, she's a lot like that. She she's brilliant. She she features in a lot of my jokes as well because she's such a funny woman. Like there was um there was a time which really made me laugh where she uh, they were filming Doctor Who in Swansea and um, they were filming right outside her flat. And they didn't tell her. Um, so at four o'clock in the morning, she got woke up by this bright light sort of shining through the window. And she shuffled over and she could just see like a grim reaper sort of thing coming out of the mist. Oh and I God. said to her, <laughs> I said, Nan, you must you must have been petrified. And she said, no. I said, well, what did you do? She said, I just shouted, oi, I'm not ready yet. And I thought, that's amazing. I, I, said, I said, nah, it's not, the Grim Reaper is not a taxi company. He's not going to wait for you. He's a busy man. Like, that's bonkers. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, it's amazing. It's the, other amazing. Night, the other night as well, because I was looking after her uh, last week, and she was um, sleeping. She was talking in her sleep. And uh, she actually said in her sleep, she said, oh, I can't hear a bloody word you're saying. And that really made me laugh because that means without a urinate, she can't even hear her own bloody dreams. That's how deaf <laughs> she is. Like. Ridiculous, isn't it? And, and why would she still be deaf in her dreams? You can be anything in a dream, but for some reason she's still 92 and deaf. It's, <laughs> it's just beyond belief. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. You've all, like, because you often sort of ask people if they dream in their own language or if they see colours if they're blind. But yeah, you haven't sort of thought about can they hear if they're deaf? Yeah, yeah. It, it just, it, I just thought it, it was fantastic. Like, and how did she know she didn't have a urinating? <laughs> <It was brilliant. laughs> 
And so, uh, with the way things are going at the minute, so you've been going for 11 years, so I'm, I'm putting the maths together. You started at 24 again, 11 years yeah. in, so you're 35? Yeah. 35, mate, yeah. And so, what's the plan? What was happening before lockdown? What was the sort of regular life for Simon? What's going on? Before lockdown, mate, it was just taking any gig I could get, uh, gigging, gigging all over the place. But we were also, um, we just recorded um, a uh, TV show, uh, a stand-up for BBC Stash, so that had just gone out as well. Um, just getting a bit of uh, uh, money off them for sort of pitching other stuff as well. Um and, and that was it, really, mate. It was it was just flat out sort of uh, trying to survive off the sort of fickle uh, environment of stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah. And um, sort of talking about the environment in sort of stand-up comedy, have you started to experience... So over here, obviously, we've got all the comedy forums and things on Facebook. And um, one yeah. of the big things that... Um, that lockdown especially seems to have brought out in people seems to have a real sort of the darker side of comedy, more of the, the sort of clicky, nastier elements of comedy, people digging each other and complaining. Yeah. Is that happening a lot sort of in your community, in your environment? Um, we're, we're, we're lucky, really, where, where we're from. We, there's, I, I think people, people have had a lot of time on their hands and for some reason people love a bit of negativity, so they they'll uh, they don't they, they like to argue. Um, personally, I, I keep negative people out of my life. I don't I don't sort of uh, I've got no time for it. Um, on the Welsh scene, we're very blessed in that we do have those sort of people, but there's a very small number of them, and it does seem that uh, I, I suppose it's like this everywhere. Actually, it does seem the people that cause issues are the ones that are actually being less productive and not getting the the, the, the work that they feel they deserve and that's probably where the bitterness comes from mm. but yeah we're, we're, we're blessed really on the Welsh we, we tend to be um, united except for a, a select few but um, yeah it, it doesn't matter really No yeah right it's uh, it's not something I'm trying to get involved with myself I'm the same got to try and surround well, uh, reason well, probably is for the fun yeah, of course. But people, uh, the, the the way I look at it, I I, I don't think negative people change will change. They're not going to change their patterns. And the people that sort of try to cause uh, other acts problems now, I think if you look five years in the future, as long as you're focusing on the right things, you're going to be successful. And those people trying to cause problems will probably just be still scratching around in the same holes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, but there's there's no there's no there's no pro, uh, productivity in, in tearing other people down. It never gets anyone anywhere. You're you're better off working closely and uh, pushing each other up and sharing opportunities. Yeah, no, for sure. And so with um, you know, your sort of the way that you've travelled and the way that you've been, has there been any sort of exotic travel? We've done any sort of gigs in faraway places. Obviously, Oslo is pretty. That's a pretty good story. But anywhere, yeah, um... sort of any any difference. No, we did. We did. Uh, we did a few gigs in in Barcelona a couple of years ago. Um, that was a friend, another friend of mine at a, at a bar out there. Um, so we went and did, did a few of them. Um, but apart from that, it's uh, Oslo, uh, Barcelona. I I I was booked in for Amsterdam um, before the lockdown came in. So I, hopefully that will uh, come back up. So because I, I lived in Amsterdam for a bit as well when, when I was younger on my, on my travels so like I, I adore the place and that'll be really nice to go and do that 
Yeah, lovely. I've only been to Amsterdam once with like on a work trip, so I had to sort of rein in my basic impulse to get involved in all the naughtier sides of things. But yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely a place I'd, I think it'd be amazing gigging over there. The people are outstanding. Oh, it was great. It, it, it was my, it was my job out there to get people involved in the naughtiness. Like I, I was uh, <laughs> meeting stag parties at the airport um, and basically taking them wherever they wanted, getting them whatever they wanted. And then we were, I was meeting them again in the night and taking them on a pub crawl. And then, as you can imagine, uh, on the way back to the hotel, they want to go to the red light <laughs> district. And it, oh, man, I, I, I saw some things I didn't need to see, I'll be honest. <laughs> that sounds like an amazing job. It was great. It was the, your, your actual uh, profession title is professional partier. But the issue with it is you were fully expected to drink with everyone that you, you yeah. were there with. So as you can imagine, mate, after a year of that, you're you're on you're on work six days a week and you're just a mess. Like there's no way no one could ever do that job more than you. But as far as like rep work goes, the people that rep in Corfu or, you know, Tenerife and places like that where it's seasonal, you could do that all year round at, at Amsterdam. That would be Yeah. It doesn't stop. It is. It, it, there's not a single time where where there, where there are not tourists there. It's. Uh, it, it was crazy there. Oh, that sounds just to be employed to party in Amsterdam for a year. Even at my age now, I'm still thinking oh, I might. I might do that for a year. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's great. But like, there, there is. There's that moment. No, no one. No one tells you to stop. But I. I just had that moment when I was in my flat and. I, I turned around a bit too quick and caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror, and I'm like, "Right, you need to go home now. You look, you, 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 you look like you've been snorting heroin through a pen." Like that's <laughs> again at my age now. I go to walk out the house for a night out and catch myself and be like, "Nah, just stay inside. You, you can't do this." <laughs> We've like purposefully put a mirror up by the front door to be like, "What the fuck do you look like? Go back in." Just that, that's inside. A, that's a, that's a great. I, I used to I used to have um, a ex girlfriend who would do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of ex girlfriends who used to do that for. They still do it now. Bless them. Still get in touch and tell me what a fucking asshole I am. So it's lovely of them. Yeah, it's it's a it's a funny thing, isn't it? That that whole saying when you, you've you've gone upstairs to get changed and you walk down and then they'll say, "What are you intending and going out in those jeans?" Like, no, I I put them on for a fucking portrait. Of course, I'm fucking going out. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, yeah, my mister saying to me, "What are you going to wear those trainers for? Like, they're they're the only trainers I wear to go out." She's like, "Yeah, it's probably." I was that- like, "Well, I could buy some more." No, you can't afford to buy anymore. You're better off just staying in. <laughs> I don't get that logic. You're taking a piss out of how I look, and then I go, well, I'll is, change it." No, you can't afford to change it. It's just better off staying in. That is amazing, mate. You just it's gonna stay in until you can afford trainers. That's yeah. ridiculous. I know. <laughs> you know, te- you know, technically that's a hostage situation, right? There are people <laughs> who have been taken hostage that have been treated better than that. I know, and this is what because like, I'm a I'm a I'm a big man. I've got a bald head. I've got tattoos. Everyone looks at me, and they sort of. You know, get accused of like misogyny and stuff. I'm like, if you listen, like, I've been the victim of a lot of these yeah, relationships. Yeah. What What you are there, mate, was Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I was like, yeah, yeah, of course I love her, but she she talks to you like shit. No, she doesn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> the um, I remember one. Like, I remember telling my mates like, I think she hits me. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, she hits me. And they were like, mate, that's not. That's not sensible. You should go. Well, yeah, but it doesn't yeah. hurt. It's just 
I don't know. She seems to like lash out at me. And they were like, yeah, that's not a, uh, that's not a nice environment. You should leave. I was like, oh, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a red flag right there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she's like barge past me and like push me. And I'd be like, just like this big fucking dopey dog in the corner being like, oh, I don't understand why she's angry. Don't know what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> and then you like, I tell these stories on stage and people are like, you're just misogynistic. Well, I don't hate women. I'm just weirdly addicted to them and I just kind of put up with shit. But I, 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 I think that, I think there's a, a a good a good line there, mate. It's the, the I, I'm the same. Like I've uh, I'm, I've got a lot better now, but my my feelings in life for for a long time were sort of uh, dating too too many women and sort of like and I I, I was addicted and and people always used to say like oh you had your you're a bit of a player you use women I'm like I don't I actually love women that that's the issue here. Yes, yeah, I find it really like difficult. And like what I've found now in comedy is like you don't you don't pull birds through comedy. Like you go on stage and you tell your jokes, you come off. Women aren't yeah, like flocking to you. Well, no. not with me. I don't know. You know, you're a handsome man, so you maybe have something different. But I, um, <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't have like women flocking. And I did have one girl like give me her number after the last gig, and I was thinking the ten minutes I've just done, <laughs> and now you're like yeah. he sounds interested. I'll give my number, and I was like that's a red flag. Because if you yeah, well, I agree with that. And it, it would surprise me if, because a lot of my stuff is self-deprecating. I, 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 talk, I talk about being bad in bed and having a small willy and all that. And yeah. it would surprise me if, if after that someone said, well, that's the man for me. Yeah, I mean, that was exactly, it was like a 10 minute bit about, yeah, having a small willy essentially. And, then, yeah. you know, this, uh, this woman was only sleeping because her husband's penis was so big it hurt her. So she was sleeping yeah. with me for a break. I was like, and I come off, and this girl was like, "I want you to have my number." <laughs> yeah, you—that's a red flag. If you want my number, surely you yeah. want her husband's number. <laughs> I used to—I got a line in my stand that where I say that my uh, penis is so small, I've nicknamed it with the "a lot less monster." Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I always find like there's not a lot of comedians now so i don't know what but we'll get onto that in a minute what sort of comedians you're into but there's not a lot of comedians i find now who do um because it used to be like comedians from that i remember growing up were the sort of 80s comedians the jim davidson um, mm-hmm. you know and they were hard drinking hard partying yeah know, little bad boys type of thing and alcohol was obviously a major thing in the 80s with the comics and stuff and yeah. now we have this era. So like Russell Brand was almost the last kind of bad boy comic, you know, British comic, wasn't he? Um, yeah. And then you sort of we're in this era now where you've got like Kevin Bridges and Jack Whitehall and Michael McIntyre. They're almost like even Frankie Boyle's posting pictures of him in the gym and stuff. Yeah. It's crazy, mate. It it has. I completely agree. There is. Uh, I, there's a friend of mine, a guy called Sandro Ford, fantastic comedian, and he he only came in two years ago, and he said to me, he said, he said, I thought they'd be coming in, and they'd be full of headers, and it would just be absolutely nuts. He yeah. says, but everyone is actually quite sensible and quite quite well, well thought out. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like comedy's changing. Even even the style of comedy is changing. Like you mentioned, sort of uh, uh, Jim Davidson. There, uh, I'm not a, a massive fan of Jim Davidson uh, because of what he chooses to talk about. Yeah. But 
what he does do and what a lot of old school comedians did is they had structured jokes and it's astounding how many uh, comics don't have the sort of uh, the setup, setup punchline structure anymore. It's 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 fascinating. It, it, it's the the joke telling is becoming alternative again, and it's exciting. Yeah, no, you're right, and it's very strange. And you know, I was talking uh, uh, like the other night with with one of the comics, and I was saying that my like I'm a big fan of the US comics, like and and like the the ladies and the guys over in the US seem to have a style it makes me laugh i appreciate where they're coming from they seem a lot more polished a lot more open yes uh, they talk about a lot more slow personal things yeah um whereas here again you know you sort of talk about jack whitehall his latest special and michael mcintyre's latest special and and it seems almost like we've gone back to this kind of variety type uh comedian in the uk at the moment it isn't it's kind of almost safe there's nothing I, mean, I, I agree with yeah safe is the key word it's the, the the reason why american comedy is better miles miles better than uh british comedy at the moment is because they haven't got the the offended culture so much in in america and they're still taking risks with the comedy mm-hmm. whereas the the major broadcasters in this country are playing it too safe because they're so worried about someone complaining so it, it's it that that does need addressing yeah yeah, and it's a strange one. So, I mean, going, obviously, you're a couple of years younger than me, but not a huge amount. So, sort of going back to your influences, um, I'm imagining, the same as me, they were UK comedians. We didn't have the access to the, the very yeah. streaming services. So, it was who was on telly. So, growing up, who's your sort of idol? Who's the one that you watch and get so- <clears throat> I had, I, I, I had three sort of major influences. Um, the the first one w- was when I was a really young kid. My mum used to play me clips of Norman Wisdom. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I just absolutely adored the physicality of it. Um, and then leading on from Norman Wisdom, obviously, I loved Lee Evans because Lee Evans seemed to be a carbon sort of copy of, of Norman Wisdom in, in many ways, sort of... Uh, uh, which was weird because in an interview he said that he wasn't influenced by him, and I and I I thought well they look like the same person that things they're doing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm a massive fan of really silly comedy, so Harry Hill's early stand-up was just extraordinary for me. Just watching him, just going through it. I did I didn't really like the the TV stuff he did with the TV burp and stuff, but his live stand-up I've just always been a massive fan of. Okay. That's an interesting one. Have you um, have you come across Spencer Jones? Oh, Spencer Jones is fantastic, yeah. mate. Just this this is this is why I said it's exciting the way comedy is going, where the joke telling is becoming alternative because it's given acts like Spencer Jones the stage time to make people laugh in ways which are just completely different. He's oh, he's so good. Yeah, yeah. I figured you'd yeah. If you like these sorts of those types of characters, then that would be one that came up. Yeah. No, he, he's he's fantastic, and I, I watched um, his uh, his pilot for for the sitcom as well, and it was uh, his sort of style of comedy didn't really translate well to, to to a sitcom. But then I was thinking, well, what did I expect? Because it, it, his stage style is so unique and so bonkers, it, it only really works on stage, right? Yeah, it's very visual, isn't it? The um, yeah. I'm listening to Robin Williams's autobiography at a moment, and they're talking about. Um, you know, him becoming this big superstar, you know, being a Morecambe Mindy. They're talking about him recording his first album, obviously back in the 70s, 
again, yeah. you didn't record specials on telly. It was all recorded on your albums. And um, there was sort of, he, he, the comedy, you could listen to it now because it's so visual. It's not very funny. Yeah. Like you listen to this thing. It's not very funny because he was everywhere. People were able to listen to what he was doing and still yeah. be able to envisage him doing the, the looks and the, the, you know, manic type of guy on stage. Of course, yeah. Huge hit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can imagine it being very similar with Lee Evans. If, if you were to listen to a Lee Evans CD, um, yeah. you'd get maybe 50% of what you would see him live because he was, because for me, I, I always, the reason I like Lee Evans is because he taught me that you could have a punchline which was average and make it ridiculously funny just by a movement or just by a facial uh, sort, sort of uh, twitch. And it was just, yeah, it was just amazing watching that. Yeah, and I think Michael McIntyre's got the same thing as well. He's got a funny Absolutely. look. The stuff he talks about is reasonably bland or everyday. Yeah. But it's the way that he is. Alternatively, you've got people like Peter Kay, who I could yeah. listen to Peter Kay tell a joke. It's not necessarily his face or the way he does it, but it's it's the humour in what Peter Kay says cool. catches me a lot better. Of course, yeah, and, and, and I feel that accents play a big part as well. Yeah. Uh, Peter Kay is a good example of that. If, if you give Peter Kay's material to someone else and they delivered it the same way, it wouldn't be as funny. There's something about the way that that northern accent sounds is really funny. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting sort of uh, concept. With, with McIntyre as well, um, I, I appreciate like that McIntyre is obviously top of his game and he's, uh, he's very good at what he does and... Um, when other comedians sort of say, oh, it's hack and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, but, you know, he's making millions. So he's very good at what he does. But I went to see McIntyre live because my little sister was a massive fan. So I, I sort of, uh, as, as a birthday present, I'm like, all right, I'll take it. I don't, I don't, I don't mind McIntyre. And I tell you what, when, when I sat and watched him live and there were no TV cameras there, I enjoyed it 10 times more than when he was on TV because he was taking risks with his material. And I, and I was like, oh, okay. It, it sort of showed me the the skill of the comedian, obviously the skill that you must have had years ago in the weekend comedy clubs. Yeah. I was saying, um, I, I went to see him one of his work in progress gigs and, yeah. um, you know, he was swearing and things that he didn't know if uh, kind of, obviously you see him as sort of daytime safe live at the Apollo type stuff where he doesn't really swear. Yeah. Saw him on stage. He was swearing, but he did a, it was just, it was like, um, early in January and he come on with his book uh, he's come on stage and he just started talking, but he started talking about Christmas. He started talking about, you know, having to work out over Christmas and eating and Christmas. Yeah. And for like an hour and a half, he just basically told these anecdotes of his time over Christmas with his family. And then he was like, oh, I've not done anything, anything at my book. He was like, I've done, but it was entertaining <laughs> to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And he could just riff, well, just riff constantly. Well, well, this, this is it. I, I, feel, I feel like um, people don't realise sometimes that there's a chance that when you go on to TV, um, especially if you're working for the, the BBC, you're almost certainly going to be diluted. There's no way yeah. that you are going to be able to do the stuff you were doing in weekend clubs. Um, so when people sort of say, oh, this person isn't good enough to be on TV, it's like, no, they are, because what they were is they were probably the best in the weekend club circuit for a long, long time, which got them seen. And obviously now they have to just be a bit more careful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's there's a thing about being overexposed as well, and he does so many, yeah, um, sort of family friendly type stuff. It, it, people aren't quite sure about him. Like I, I'm not quite sure about him now as a live act when you see him with swearing. So I think is that disingenuous? You just playing up to the crowd, or is that you? I don't know who 
the yeah. real Michael McIntyre is. But then I've been to see like Bill Burr, for example. Um, oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And he, you know, again, we were talking last night, he's got this angry persona that is part of his sort of comedy. Um, and then on everything else I've ever seen him on his podcast, on guest pods, you know, on guest spots and all that sort of stuff. He is, he is that sort of person. He gets wound up at the little yeah. thing. So that sort of genuine anger. And I think that's brilliant. It's brilliant. Have you, have you ever seen um, an act called Paul Foot? Yes. Yeah. With the weird mullet that he's got. Yeah. yeah. So Paul, I, I was very, I was very blessed that um, Paul was another one I sort of used to watch as a teenager on the old sort of Paramount channels. Um, and one of the first gigs I booked, I booked Paul for, and we, we became quite friend, like, quite friendly. He was, a, he was a good guy. He gave me some advice in comedy. But what was nice about Paul was this person that you see on stage, this strangeness, the eccentric uh, sort of guy, and it's it's all him. Like I, I was so like we, we the first time I booked him, we um, I got him a hotel, and um, we walked into the hotel room. And he said, he said, he goes, he goes, oh, come with me and we'll go down. And then he just opened his bag, pulled out the biggest book of Japanese art I've ever seen, opened one page, and went, oh, nice, and then put it back in, and then went into the toilet, <laughs> like, and I left the door open, and he was just bent over the toilet bowl, and he was, he was just going, bah, he goes, Simon Emmanuel, I'm being violently sick, bah. and I was like, what is going on? Yeah, he, he just never switches off, but I loved him for that. It was brilliant. <laughs> He's. He, I always found him funnier on the various panel shows that he would be on than on his yes. stand-up. I always thought his interactions with people were a lot funnier. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. The, 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 there's a lovely bit on um, on Nevermind the Buzzcocks with the the, the cheeky girl lineup. It just <laughs> oh, it was incredible, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that that was the bit I was thinking about, and um, so they're they're the influences sort of growing up so who's who do you watch or listen to now is it still sort of uk comics have you come across any of the sort of world comics or u.s comics so uh, yeah so paul foot's still a big one i i listen to on a daily basis if he's gigging anywhere near wales i'll always sort of uh go, go and see him um i used to really really like um cat williams uh the american comedian yeah um there was there was a period, uh, I'd say probably about five six years ago, where where he everything he did was absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't know what's going on with him at the moment, but he seems to be doing a lot of sort of conspiracy stuff. Yeah, yeah um, I was going to say he was involved in some drama, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, Cat Williams at, at, at is 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 best. Really made me laugh. There was uh, I'll never forget. He started a show once by playing the the song um, "Every Day I'm Hustling." And if you get a chance, check it out. It's the best opening to a show I've ever seen. And all he does is just play the song over and over again. It's genius. Um, so he he was a, a massive one as well. Um, yeah, I, I used to be a big Dave Chappelle fan as well, but I, I, I'm not sure of his, his stuff uh, at, at the moment. Uh, there's also um, there's an act in London, which uh, she's quite unheard of, uh, but I... Honestly, I think she's one of the funniest comedians I've ever seen. Is a, is, is a lady called Kate Lucas. Kate Lucas. Yeah, she's a musical act. Um, she is. I, I, I book her whenever I can, and she is absolutely hilarious. Like I, I would recommend anyone to go and check her out on YouTube. She's brilliant. Oh yeah, I'll have a little look. Her. Um, also, Arge Barker is very good as well. You know the. Uh, 
uh, American comedian, Arj Barker. No, never heard of him. Excellent, mate. He is um, absolutely genius at uh, deconstructing jokes whilst doing them on stage. So he'll basically talk about, uh, be a, he'll do a joke and, and he'll end the punchline. And then he'll say something like, he goes, he goes, and then I thought to myself, do you know what? This joke is not over. And then you go back and do something else. It's just brilliant. It's genius the way he writes. Amazing. Yeah, I'll, I'll check him out. And then is there a comic that you have never seen, but you'd like the moment they have tickets available where you can get to, you want to go and see him? Um, there's, or, I mean, it's got to, it's got to be Lee Evans, man. I, I never got wrong to seeing him live properly. Um, so when he announced that he was retiring, all, all the tickets had already gone on that last show. Yeah. Um, so if, if he came back for one, one last show, I, I wouldn't even care how much tickets are. I, I, I'd have to go. Like it was, it was one of those things when you sort of, you, you felt he'd be around forever. So you never, never really rushed into going to see him live. And then when it, when he wasn't there anymore, you're like, oh, I should have done that. Yeah. And again, that's a strange one when he sort of, you know, went out of nowhere, didn't he? And, He's not come, yeah. he's not seen him. He's not done anything. No, a cu- couple of couple of acting jobs on stage, and and that's it. But in terms of, but I mean, it makes sense, mate. You know, you, I think he's fifty five now, and and obviously everyone's body gets old. You can only sort of keep that sort of energy up for for a certain amount of time. It, it must. Can you imagine like the that that sort of performance every night for about a hundred nights on tour? It, 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 it would exhaust you. Yeah, it would be amazing to have seen how much weight he would lose across the like a, one of his sets in just in water weight that he would sweat out. Yeah, I, I've always, I've always liked the idea. I don't know if it's been done of, of um, someone sort of uh, wiring up comedians uh, to all sorts of implements to see what actually happens to the body when you're doing stand-up comedy because our, our bodies go through so much in terms of emotion and strain and like you said, when a joke doesn't work, that sort of fear. I'd, I'd love to know like where, where the sort of peaks and tro- peaks and sort of drops of, of adrenaline are. Yeah, it's a great show, that. It's, it's almost it's almost certainly fight or flight, isn't it? Yes, yeah, definitely. I um, yeah, that would be interesting. I'd definitely watch an, like a, a documentary of that, any kind of investigation into that sort of thing. That would be classic. yeah, yeah, it'd be great because I know Vice uh, did a few documentaries, uh, but they were they're quite funny actually. They, they were, there were a few people doing stand up comedian, uh, stand up comedy on, on different sort of drugs. So there was a guy that did uh, a comedy club in America on acid, and that was quite that was quite amusing to watch. But again, there, there was they didn't actually like check what was going on in the body. Yeah, Jesus Christ! I, I mean, like, I've never done psychedelics because I just think my imagination would be I'd be too frightened of my own imagination. Yeah. But I can't imagine being on any sort of like I've I've gotten to the point now when I did my first sort of gigs, I would have a few drinks, you know, calm the nerves. But yeah. I've gotten to the point now where I don't even do that. I won't drink before a gig. Um, no, no, I mean, even me, when, when I first started, I, 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 I sort of convinced myself that I was one of these, like you said, rock star comedians, a sort of. <laughs> hell raises and i found out very quickly that i cannot do comedy when i'm drunk i was missing punchlines i was too slow my timing was off like i i need my full mental focus so yeah it's, it's got to be completely sober yeah and then but then afterwards i find that having a couple of pints after a gig when you're buzzing if it, especially if it's gone well they're the yeah. best they're the best points i think i'll ever drink when you're well yeah well, well. For, for me mate I, I i'm not like i'm not a smoker 
but if I come off stage, I'll have I'll have either have like a cigarette or a bit of a vape for for that nicotine because that oh that just chill out after all that adrenaline is beautiful. Yeah, it is brilliant. After a good gig is the best feeling. I mean, my writing whenever I write, I always try to write off the back of that feeling. I always yes. try to be either that night or the next day, just try and write something or drop some ideas down just when I'm I'm buzzing and all the, the sort of synapses are, are sort of firing. Yeah. It's 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 a funny thing though, isn't it? Like obviously that that, that feeling after a uh, after a nice gig's fantastic, but the, the feeling after a bad gig when you can't even look anyone in the eyes like you feel you feel you feel like you've killed a member of their family it's <laughs> it's just guilt isn't it it's all awful there was um the, the comedian that started the club in Swansea the one bit of good advice he gave to me was he said that comedy was the only art in which the illness comes after the death and I thought that was spot on <laughs> That's a brilliant way of putting it it can eat you yeah. up can't it for days if you oh for days mate like it's it's and like I, I normally if, if I have a bad gig, that's normally when when I'll write the most because I can't sleep after that anyway. So I'll go home and I'll try and I'll work out what went wrong, write a couple of one liners. But yeah, it's and then the next day you haven't slept, you're still feeling rubbish. It's just it takes a couple of days to get over it. Definitely, I've I've I've, t- I've taken ecstasy pills and and a, I had a better come down than the come down <laughs> like bombing on stage. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I haven't quite found the like the easy solution i'm pretty good at compartmentalizing but it still takes yeah. it, still, it still niggles away and niggles away at me just like fucking hell I'm just gonna go fucking they just like really have to fight hard to like put that away yeah a day job as well which is like being a salesman so i've got to be all like up and yeah gotta get in the right frame of mind yeah what what the most annoying thing is when like if if you try a bit of new material, right, it doesn't work. You know why? You're like, oh, I, I, well, I wasn't good enough. But what I hate is when you do a joke that always works and then it doesn't work because you've got no answer for that. You're like, well, there's no reason why that shouldn't work. And what's difficult is then just accepting that. All right, sometimes it doesn't work, but you just can't get your head around it. Yeah, yeah, you can't because you can't solutionize it, and therefore you just think, oh, it's, what do I do? I can't think of anything around it. Yeah. Absolutely, it's just uh, and and sometimes it's dangerous sometimes because if if you let that get you, you end up dropping that joke and then you've just lost a good joke because it didn't work once. Yes, yeah, I remember saying to a mate of mine um, when he got into it, and I say to him like, "Don't if this audience don't work, like if if your stuff don't land, like it's not always the stuff you know can be the audience. You got to try it. Yeah, don't let it. Don't beat yourself up about it. Keep going. Do it a couple of times. Don't just." release it um yeah we, we we we've always had a sort of uh the, the group of comedians that i that i write with in south wales that one of our models is never throw a joke away even if you're writing on paper and you've written something that is five percent funny and you're like oh it's not good enough just put it to one side for for a couple of days and at some point you're going to go back to it and you're like all right i know to make that better so it, yeah. there's there's no such thing as a, a as a bad idea really I, I mean you put enough time into something you can find the funny yes yeah exactly that exactly that although so again going back to the sort of coping mechanisms of a joke not landing do you have a get out is there something that you employ now as a way of being like that's not landed but you've got a, yeah you've got a funny get out 
I, I go st- I go straight down the middle with a nice easy line. Even if I del- even if I deliver a joke that I've had for twenty like for for, for like uh, for for eleven years, um, and it doesn't work, I'll just always follow it up with ah uh, oh, right a bit of uh, that was a bit of new material there right won't use that again yeah. cheers for that and that sort of get get gets a bit of a laugh and then if that gets a laugh I'll, I'll then I'll then say see see that was the laugh I was waiting for and it's just a nice sort of way out of it because the worst thing you can do is not acknowledge it because everyone's seen it happen uh, so you you have to it's it's a psychology isn't it if if the audience senses a crack in in your confidence then it's game over. So you have to sort of own those mistakes as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've, I've never bombed to like terribly, obviously jokes don't land and, and you try and get, yeah. it. but the, um, I've seen somebody like just crumble on stage from bombing yeah. and yeah. their coping mechanism. And it was, it was so, it was like watching a child try and speak to their parents, you know, and impress their parents. And they would tell a joke and they would have this like expectant, eyes wide, mouth open, like waiting for the laugh. Yeah. And it wouldn't come. And then they go, oh. And then they go into their next bit. And then I think, and they go, oh. And you could hear them like just yeah. dying a little bit every time. And I was like, oh, God, this is horrendous to watch. I tell, I tell you, I tell you, it's weird. Maybe we've got acts uh, on our South Wales circuit that have been doing that for about ten years. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 always fascinating me that you sort of uh, like you, you think that everyone would improve, but there are those acts out there that have been doing the same ten minutes for ten years, and it hasn't been working for ten years. It's like you must be able to hear what the audience is, what's going on. You, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, it is mental, is it? So uh... it's it's the, it's the only job, isn't it, where there are some people that can't do it and they stick around. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that in a plumber's course, would you? Like, you wouldn't <laughs> Well, that's it. It's, um, people have got sort of, I don't know, like solid iron egos where it doesn't seem to matter what it is they're saying or talking about and it might not be going down well at all. But they come off and go, yeah, I smashed it. Yeah, it's weird, mate. It, it freaks me out when people go, oh, I, I did well there, didn't I? It's like, mate, like, five people left. That's bonkers. What are you on about? <laughs> Somebody's, like, hanging themselves off the bar, like... <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, mate, they've tore the posters down. There's not going to be another comedy night. That's what we've done. <laughs> it does make me laugh. And then there's people that are really good that come off with absolutely no self-confidence as well. Yeah, it's crazy, mate. That that that's always fascinating me as well. With um, you know, people will will assume that uh, comedians are quite confident people, but a lot of very good comedians that I know are, are very introverted, and uh, they largely talk to you in the green room, and then they go on and they just come alive on stage, and they come off and they're back to being introverted. It's fascinating to watch. It is. Um, I mean, there must have been studies because there is a lot of uh, like talk around comedians and the mental health and obviously we've had a lot of comedians that have gone to drink and drugs and mm-hmm. uh, you know died early and all these sorts of things and I don't know it, there must be documentaries and people must have done investigations into the psyche of a comedian what makes these people that you know sort of need their ego to be fed what gets them on stage because they must be different. Yeah. I think that's different from actors and 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 actresses and and any other sort of form of entertainment. I think stand-up comedy is that raw. You deliver it, and you know yeah. instantly if it's good or bad. Yeah, and, and it's weird, isn't it? Because you would 
expect uh, someone from that frame of mind to want everyone to love them, but then a lot of comedians are doing material about their failings. So it's a it's a really weird sort of uh, uh, both sides of the spectrum there. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting. I mean, I like doing this podcast and interviewing various different comedians and finding out what gets them going. Uh, you know what they're into, who they listen to, and that sort of stuff. And everybody is different. Everybody has a different view on comedy, on what makes yeah. laugh. You know, and, and I find that fascinating. Well, this this is why this is why uh, people who complain about comedy annoy me because it's almost like we call them the comedy police. It's like, hang on, well, comedy isn't just one thing. Like there are there are people that laugh at all sorts. Like, I mean, I've, I've got friends who have the darkest sense of humour in the world. They would laugh at some stuff that I don't laugh at, but, you know, that's their right to find it funny, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously you've got the whole, um, you know, that PC brigade, that cancel culture thing in a minute, and people are being a bit sort of cautious about what they say, and you kind of, yeah, and there's got to be, there's going to be a wave of people, there's going to be a backlash to that soon. There's going to be an anti PC wave of uh, sort of comedy and, and programs that are going to be coming back soon because it goes too far the other way yeah. sometimes, doesn't it? There's no split well, in the I, middle. I, th- I think I think it's already happening. I, I, I think what's going to happen eventually is the comedy scene is going to split completely in half. Um, because at the moment you do have these comedy nights that are coming up, which are labelled as free speech comedy nights, where you can uh, say what you want. Obviously, people aren't being racist and, and stuff like that, but yeah. they're they're being a bit more risky with the material. And then there are also sensitive space comedy clubs where the audience members have got stickers on them. So if someone's got a yellow sticker, you're not allowed to speak to them and stuff like that. So what's happening is is the people who are being offended are uh, creating their own inclusive spaces. And then these raw clubs are coming up. So I, I think maybe maybe a couple of years in the future, maybe it could split completely and there'll just be two different comedy scenes. Interesting. It needs to happen. And also um, somebody needs to take a chance on a TV channel as well where they just put at the beginning of every programme, if you're offended, this is not for you and they need to take more risks on comedy because everything's too safe on TV at the moment. Yeah, no, I like that. They... Um... What are I watching? So there's like Roast Battle on Comedy Central. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. It's hosted by Jimmy Carr and it's had... Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah. And that that for me has been quite refreshing because that's been quite cutting in some of the things that they've had. They've had, you know, um, Alex, uh, what's the name, the guy from The Last Leg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know the guy. Yeah. And they had, him, they had him on a Roast Battle with that um, Josie... Or Rosie, Rosie Jones is it? Josie, some or other, and she's got cerebral palsy. Yeah, yeah. And those two going at each other was just the best. Like some of the shit they were saying to each other was hilarious. Well, well, it's brilliant because in that in that instant, it's not it's not punching down. So so yeah. so com- comedy comedy always works when when you don't punch down. But if something uh, affects them, uh, like uh, for example, they, they they suffer with disabilities, they should be allowed to talk about that and joke, and that there should there should be a line between them where where they're fine with that going back and forth. Mm. Yeah, and so you know there there needs to be more of that, like you say. And this is where I enjoy more of the American stand ups and the specials and their podcasts because they do talk yeah. about these things. They do talk about their lives and Black Lives Matter and and everything, and they put their opinions forward and their honest opinions forward 
you know, and yeah. talk about. And but we don't we don't have that here. We have like Piers Morgan sort of throwing his grenades in and that sort of shit, and people mm-hmm. then kind of using using him as a foil to then kind of get their points across as safely as possible, but going, ah, yeah, all is wrong. And then you've got Alan Sugar and it's just, nobody kind of stands up there and takes a stance themselves because they're worried about getting cancelled. And like I say, TV of course, are worried about it. Yeah, no, no, no one's speaking. About, have you seen um, any of the clips on YouTube from the London comedy club, Comedy Unleashed? No. Uh, check it out, mate. So Comedy Unleashed is one of these, uh, comedy clubs where they basically say, uh, you know, don't self-censor, uh, self-censor yourself. Um, and there are some absolutely fantastic acts on there. Um, just well, One of them is uh, Leo Kirst, a uh, Scottish comedian, um, and he does a full set uh, talking about uh, how ridiculous war comedy is. It's incredible. He was the pro headliner I was talking about that called the guy in the audience a fucking fat cunt. Mate, how good is he? He's brilliant, isn't he? He was brilliant. He was so class. Yeah. And he was the one that, um, yeah, he did it like his 20 minutes. It was hilarious. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it is It is happening. It, it, and it is refreshing uh, from, from a stand-up point of view because it means that uh, comedy is not going to be too safe. Because ultimately, if it's going to be too safe, it is going to die out. There's, 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 no, there's nothing funny in being safe. Comedy is about shocking people. Yeah, no, I agree. That's that's my yeah, I like that. That's my stance. And so we managed to rifle past the hour, like without even. I've only just looked now. Um, Amazing. Always the uh, the last couple of questions I like to ask uh, for you to give a shout out about your favourite venue, just to you know big up somebody if they're sort of looking at various venues and that shout a venue out, and also anybody on the circuit that is that you're a fan of that you want to shout out give a bit of a heads up to or a couple of people you think listen if you see these names on a bill go and see them they're really funny and really good yeah all right well my my, my favorite venue probably doesn't need a shout out but i, I would recommend anyone to go uh go, go to the club if they get uh, a chance is the glee club down cardiff bay uh basically it's it's a oh, it's a pleasure to play everything's set up in your favor if you're lucky enough to do it as an act um it's very difficult not to do well there. It's just beautiful. And as a punter, um, and I, I, I go regular as a punter just because it's such a fantastic experience. It's probably one of the best live comedy experiences you'll see. Amazing. Is that is that the club that's got the big glee sign behind everybody on the stage? That's the one, mate. Yeah, it was uh, what was ha- what was perfect about it was they bought the venue before uh before anything was done inside so they built it uh to be a comedy club so it's just incredible in there oh amazing all right noted yeah um my acts uh i do i I absolutely love sort of uh uh seeing the new acts coming up from from south wales it's it's one of one of my favorite things to see the sort of different uh acts that come up there's an act uh who really makes me laugh the guy called sandro ford um is uh, he's he's a, he's a proper joke teller, but he's absolutely bonkers in his delivery. <laughs> um, and and then sort of like uh, if you're looking for sort of more experienced acts, um, he's quite well known. But I, w- I would say for anyone to check out Ignacio Lopez's stuff, the Spanish Welsh comedian, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, nice. Well, listen, man, it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat and getting to know you. And, uh, yeah, it's been great, mate. I will, yeah, we'll be in touch, and I'll, um, 
yeah, like I say, if you ever want to come down to Southampton and come and do a night at the Mayflower and the Lamp. Yeah, I'd love to, man. More than welcome. And uh, yeah, like I say, I'll uh, give you a shout and try and get a few of us to come up to Wales and yeah, yeah, mate. Well, let, let let me know, mate. I, I I've uh, I'm not running uh, any anything at the moment, but I can easily put put a night on in one of my old venues and, and get something going if you fancy it. Perfect. Yeah, man, that sounds great. Well, I'll um, yeah, I'll be in touch. Yeah. All right. Happy days, mate. Take care of yourself. Nice one, buddy. You take care. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our usual sponsors at Above and Bold Clothing. Uh, we are also now sponsored by the wonderful Joke Pit. And the Joke Pit are an organisation that are helping comedians and promoters to put on nights, uh, handle the ticketing and table booking uh, requirements now because of the COVID-19 safety measures that are in place for us to be able to put on live comedy. Um, the Joke Pit, you can see all the events that we've got coming up from The Lampoon if you go to www.jokepit.com forward slash comedy hyphen by that's by forward slash lampoon hyphen comedy. You'll see all the different events we've got there. Uh, you can also have a look around the Joke Pit website you can see all the different local nights that you've got on around you be able to book your tickets be able to ask comedians questions you can look at comedians profiles it's a really good website definitely take a look if you're in any way interested in comedy that is the place to start